Hello, this is Teresa Meese, one of the original members of Fondazi and the producer of this podcast. This episode is comprised of interviews with every member of Fondazi. The interviews are interspersed with songs from our various CDs and live events. Through these interviews, we give you an inside look of what it's like on opening day at the Minnesota Renaissance Festival through our eyes, through our senses, and through our hearts. We realize that this is not anywhere close to the experience of being together in person. We hope you realize that you, the individual listening to this right now, mean the world to us. You are the reason we do what we do, and we can't wait to get back to it. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Guinness World Record holding Bondazi Fire! Wednesday night. Yeah. And at that point, we have already coordinated with the group for what food we're bringing out, what costumes we are bringing out. Um, we, we try to coordinate schedule with all the kids and, and stuff like that. Um, so what do I do to prepare for the night before fest? I think the night before, we, we do go through a checklist to make sure everything is ready and set and ready to go. Yeah. Mostly it's, it's costume stuff. <laughs> Just making sure that all the costumes are, all my costume pieces are where they should be and that they're clean and ready. And it's all the clothes for the whole weekend any activities for the children. We'll probably be bringing our cooking implements with us at this time because some of them we still use at home. So, you know, things like the sous vide. It is glamping, it's not regular camping. We get out there usually around seven o'clock in the evening, the night before, get settled in. Kind of chill out from the week and and kind of just be at peace in our space there and and kind of get ready for for the festival because it's, it's definitely, you know, being in a different place in your head, being at festival versus, you know, what's going on in your week and your day to day, because it's it's two very different worlds. So you, you tend to leave the mundane behind and you move forward into the magical. day begins early early in the morning trying to race out there in the morning led to be a you know four to five a.m wake up get up usually around six o'clock oh yeah when we wake up in the yeah probably about six maybe five thirty at times yeah we, <laughs> i think actually opening weekend it is five thirty for you and i we try to do five thirty. Yeah. yep we try to get up around seven so we wake up every morning to the dulcet tones of jacques martin's Good morning, everyone. It's 7 a.m. I generally have to get up way before 7. Well, we would get up as late as humanly possible and still be able to get down to sight. Although it's usually with with uh, fits and starts because I'm not an early morning person. The first thing I usually do is start getting the children ready. Get teeth brushed and costumes on. and There's four individual human beings that have different moods first thing in the morning. Our costumes are laid out throughout yep. the living room so each child knows where their costume is and their stuff that they want that it's is not like already packed It's Christmas morning and here's your here's your thing that you're wearing today. Yeah. <laughs> I, as a lot of people I see are in costume when they get to site already, I choose not to mm-hmm. just because I'm so tired in the morning. I want to just throw on some jeans and a t-shirt and get out there. And I usually definitely had to wait for help to get dressed because this is my first year. Mm-hmm. 
like getting on all the garb and it's like, um, I, I don't know how this goes. I finished getting dressed, which is a very complicated, you know, layered process. From the bottom up, it is a pair of cotton leggings and then the boots, a skirt with an overskirt over that, a shirt with a bodice piece over that, and then the leather belts and bracers. Somebody dressed me. I don't know how this all goes. <laughs> You have to climb up this hill to get out of the campground, and we call we used to, we call it the Olympic staircase. No matter how good a shape you are, I find that I am always out of breath by the time I get to the top. Especially the beginning of the season when you are first doing it for the first time, you're like, oh, I can't do this in a corset right now, or I can't do this in a belt. And so the Olympic staircase is your wake but up. When call. we finally leave our camp area, we walk in on what's known as the Seagate Road. In the mornings, usually there's a little bit of a haze in the air. The sun is just barely peeking through across the hills out to the east. And the whole area just starts to get this gentle glow. The ground is all still moist and dewy. misty and dewy. Yeah. Um, the horse trailers and the elephant trailers come by and start to unload the animals. It's really magical. You get that excitement of walking onto site for your very first morning of the season. Yep. There's usually a smell of wood smoke in the air. Sometimes there's a smell of somebody cooking breakfast, bacon, or other things at the food booth starting to fire up. So you have this mist and this magical glow from the sun coming up. Then uh, setting up the stage was kind of the next thing. And well, it kind of just sets itself up, really. I just open the lockers and everything just falls out, <laughs> rolls into place. This goes here. That <laughs> That's why I try there. to do it early so nobody sees how easy it is. <laughs> Last year, it started a new tradition because our daughter was in the royal court. So when we got there, I would quickly get everything on that I possibly could get on that I needed to get on. Um, and everybody would bring things in from the car. The entire Fondazi family would come out and grab the crock pots or the food or the fuel or whatever we needed to get um, and and bring that back to stage. Well, I then took our daughter over to what the Royal Court calls uh, the Summer Palace and it's the area that they get dressed in. So then I spent my morning in the trailer with the rest of the royalty. I think I might be the only person who takes the bus in. Anybody who's not camping on the ground for the most part or there has to take a bus in. And that could be anywhere from a 20 minute to 45 minute delay in your day. So I'm trudging in, I get on the bus, I have to take my guitar, I'm in full costume. Everybody else is there in, co in costume, giant hoop skirts and all, dogs. It's quite the experience. And one of the most important jobs that Christopher has first thing in the morning that I love him for dearly is he will go back and start the morning coffee in the French press for us because we're not necessarily snobs, but we are snobs, and we really like our French press coffee first thing in the really morning. We really do. I prepare the monsters in the morning. You prepare, yeah, you'd always bring me monster, um, <laughs> and then later on when it gets colder, coffee. Coffee. Then it is time to wander back up the hill and over to the pavilion where they hold the cast call in the morning. And normally at cast call, we just listen to any announcements for the day. You know, you think just cast call, but it's a lot more than that. We get to hear some inspiration for the day. And I think that's my favorite part of it is, you know, we get to hear not just reminders, but more sentiments of why we do what we do, why we're out there. And also that... You know, it, it's not easy to do. And we do it because we love it and we're there because we're proud to be a part of the huge festival that brings so much joy to everybody. So usually by the time we get to the stage, um, we have been so fortunate to have amazing nannies. Hopefully at this by this point after Cascal, I have handed them off to their nanny, whoever that may be, to go about their day for our children and so i mean my my oldest doesn't need it he's kind of independent with the other kids during the day we don't have a nanny anymore for our kids the children at this point 
have their schedule of where they can be when and the the older kids are pretty good about following that especially since a few of them grew up on the grounds more or less they're very good about managing their time our youngest we've had just amazing friends that we pay <laughs> to to watch our children and it's been just wonderful knowing that they were not just taken care of but like really embraced and like brought into the whole festival culture our oldest takes the children off that she's nannying and they know that it's time for us to really focus on our work part of the day. And then running cords, like running the big snake, what we call it, with the, that all the amps and everything plug into, so and mics. So we have to run that back behind trees and lockers backstage and bring it out onto the onto the stage back behind where the musicians sit. And then there, I usually try to get some of Raiderly stuff out on stage too, just to make things a little easier for her. My drum kit is usually stored in our sound bardo because carrying it on and off site every day is just not really a possibility. So it's stored in our sound bardo, which is backstage for the most part, uh, on some lovely rickety ladder steps. I've had coffee by this point, so I don't fall down the stairs. So I have to carry my bass drum and my cymbals and my bags and setting up our stools and the amps and covering them with their little like trying to make it not look like there are amps there even though everybody <laughs> knows there are i'm sure <laughs> early in the morning usually most everybody else is there already by the time i get in there but i can hear the sounds of festival nothing is really quite like having the sounds of festival when you first walk in the morning before cannon goes off when everybody's sort of getting ready, kind of like uh, magical. If it rained that week, they'll have wood chips on the ground and the, the whole festival smells like fresh wood chips. So uh, I kind of wish I could just like frame that moment when I first come into the festival and just have that in a bottle for like the middle of January. This is all my favorite time of day too. I really love that time before it opens when Everything is, is that early morning light and it's a little cooler in the morning, Those that opening weekend. One of the things, that the coolest parts of our day uh, is that before the cannon starts, we do a sound check. Just to make sure that all the sound is working correctly and that our instruments are working correctly and that we know what's going on. We have figured out the board levels. Uh, hopefully we have figured out the board levels before, but honestly that changes every weekend. Like humidity will eat sound, like no one's business. So having so that's why we have to do a sound check every day. And even though we've been rehearsing by that point, weeks uh you know in preparation for a festival to open it's still just that anxious like do i know all these songs do i really know what i'm doing especially the new songs and but we want to you know if there's anything that we want to make sure we practice a little bit we do it then and it's surprising to me how many people actually come down and will get ready for their day sitting in front of our stage way in the back and they'll stand there and they'll get dressed they get ready and they they listen to us play So the next step would be front gate. And there's also, we have to get fully into costume. So, I mean, my costume, from from the pajamas I'm wearing to festival in the morning, which is my costume, which is just, you know, baggy pants and a shirt, I can put on the rest of my costume as I walk. The boots is the biggest thing to put on in the morning. We, uh, you know, generally try to go to opening gate, and that's where the cast... A lot of the cast is up trying to entertain all the patrons who are out in front of the festival. The doors haven't opened, but there's so many dedicated fans that will line up just waiting to get in. Some will even show up. Hours before. Yeah. It's really, I think, a rewarding experience they get because you get the king and the queen and the royal court all up on the, the top of the gate doing a little improv show that's different every weekend. And while sometimes it may fall along the same lines, it is always different. They're always trying different things. They're interacting with the audience in different ways. And those patrons who choose to show up that early get to experience that. And we, and Fondazi tries to be a part of that in what ways we can by going out to the audience and doing little bits. Some days we bring fire out there and do things, especially for the children who are sitting there waiting, trying to get in and they're antsy. And then, oh, 
Oh, there's a guy with fire. Oh, that woman just ate fire. Oh, what is going on? <laughs> but yeah, the cannon pretty much signals the end of our, our time at the gate, I think. And we head back to stage to get ready for the day. When cannon goes off is when the magic happens and everything opens up. And when we scramble to gather up any makeup bags or anything that are sitting on the benches up front and quick scurry back behind the stage. So I'm at a clock. Uh, yeah, so we grab our crepes. And we go back to stage. It's usually at this time is when our sous vide eggs are ready. And finally, once the cannon goes off, I go get pierogies for breakfast. And we eat our breakfast. And yep. we well, have we've usually prepped lunch to go at this point, too. So mm-hmm. crockpots are on, food's in it. I make sure the backstage is set up for the day. So I've been kind of the stage manager. So I just make sure like everything is laid out for the day. If we have ice, if we need water, if we need anything like that, just making sure that the chairs are all set up. On the other side of the stage entrance in the fence line, you'll find a couple more wooden steps that lead down to a very narrow goat path that goes along the upper ridge of the fairy wing forest. And that's that's the edge of our backstage. We have a full length mirror that we've screwed to the fence line. Just beyond the mirror is where we have a wash basin with a hose run from the irrigation supply to make sure that we have a place where we can wash off backstage. And we have a water cooler beyond that. And then it opens up to our bigger backstage area where we keep our food. We've made it as comfortable and as posh as possible. And it is definitely, it feels like home. We've really settled in there and made it ours and made it a place where everyone who shares the stage with us can feel comfortable. Yeah, so, I mean, we've got a carport back there that we shelter all of our belongings under, and it's also where we stay dry when it rains. And then just beyond that is where we have our actual backstage backstage, where we have our our props and our fueling area and our dowsing area. So. Yep. I'm usually only half costumed. <laughs> I need to kind of put myself together, um, either try to do my hair by myself or get somebody more accomplished to do my hair for me. After everything else is ready, then I have to put my makeup on and get my hair ready. And I am extraordinarily inept at doing my own hair. So I I pay anyone who's willing to put my hair up and make it look pretty. Otherwise, it, the days when I look really elegant are clearly the days that somebody else did my hair. When I was on my game, my makeup and hair would be done. Or at least my makeup would be done to the point where my hair would get done at cast call. Right, by Sole. By Sole. Yeah. But if I wasn't on top of my game, I would not be ready in the least bit except for my costume on it. All I have to do is put on a belt and some bracers and a bandana and ta-da, beautiful. I know, I hate you sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> 30 minutes on my hair to get it in this beautiful faux hawk that I, you know, <laughs> yeah. I've coined as my look. And then my dark makeup and dark lips and it's like an hour and a half of getting ready and once the Robin Hood show starts, we know it's time for morning meeting, in which case I say number one. Usually somebody starts calling out numbers around that time. And then we all scramble to say number two. Sometimes, actually, most of the time I say number one. Everybody just picks a, a number, random, random number. Yeah. Usually someone else starts it. One. And then we know it's time for the meeting. The morning meeting is just kind of announcements, figuring out show orders today. Is there something special going on? We go over any safety points that need to be addressed. I think the majority of our meetings are just to kind of go over, you know, what our expectations are for the day, you know, what our goals are. Usually at the beginning of the run, we just start kind of assigning people to numbers or, you know, in the show, you're not on stage, so you're going to be spotting, you're going to be in charge of X, Y, and Z of safety. It is the most, as most fundazi meetings, the most laid back not um not in any way shape or form serious meeting we get a lot of serious work done but i don't think we can have serious meetings you know catching up there's a pep talk and you know kind of the everybody put your hand in and cheer kind of scenario. which we do especially on opening day just you know kind of it's like a it's like a pep rally just getting everybody fired up and ready for the big day ahead Then usually you can start hearing the sounds of Robin Hood getting ready, uh, or 
they're either on stage or getting ready. Robin Hood's on stage. Robin we Hood's know stage. every single line in the Robin Hood stage, and I love Sue's mommy <laughs> so much. I crack up every time I hear it. Uh, they come walking by, and they're always way more happy and chipper than I say. Why am I not so happy and chipper like they are there? Especially Robin Hood himself. Honestly, if you think about it, there's probably like lines that trigger us or cue us of like, oh, we got to do this now. They have subtly changed their show over the years, but just slightly enough that for the most part, by the second or third weekend, we can pretty much all recite their show, which is fantastic. Sometimes there are children back there around that time, too. We try to keep them away during the meeting, but right after meeting, they start to come back in because by that time, they're hungry again. <laughs> so they're looking for things to eat. We often have very fun, witty banter about what we did recently or yep. something. The kids are constantly eating food. It's really kind of a family grounding time for Fondazi in the morning where we all just kind of connect and be together. This is the important time when we take any last minute potty breaks because it is a bit of a hike to the nearest privy for us. So we make sure that we're ready to go on stage. And then uh, we double check that all the props are out. So it, it actually gets called out. This number is coming up. It has this many props. This number is coming up. It has this many props. We run down the show prior to fueling the props to make sure we're not doing any unnecessary fueling because that does happen. Yep. And, um, and then we all break into action to go fuel props. Yep. And that's a team effort. There's usually at least two people fueling. Mm -hmm. And there's two people running Doomvok. We've created a vacuum system now called a Doomvok. I'm Doomvok certified. I am not. Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Chris trained Katie. She He thought she was worthy. And uh, so once we get everything fueled, extracted, and uh, bagged, and then the triple check happens after everything is fueled, everything's ready. We run down the list again. Right. So first we run down the list before we even start fueling. Yep. Second is as we're fueling, we're running down the list. Once they're fueled, we run down the list again. Once they're bagged, as that is a triple check. Usually it's either Alan or, not, or I will take the, the little whiteboard, the little mini board, Tello, and we write out the whole show order and we add our, our intro song and our exit song that we do just on our own without the dancers. I do like to practice every song we play right before we go on stage. I run through about just the, just the tough parts or the tricky parts or kind of walk through the set because really as the quote unquote band leader, my job isn't to lead the band members because our band members are awesome. Really it's all about knowing when to start and stop a song and how long is it and what, and if there's gonna be any changes because of any delays or anything like that, I just sort of call it out. So the first show is uh, kind of a big one for the first weekend. <laughs> That's the big uh, make it or break it because <laughs> you, you spend all off season prepping for it. And, you know, granted, we do some other festivals in Fondazi and you know, we, we still perform outside of Minnesota. But I think, you know, that is our biggest and most uh, important show when it comes to closeness of the heart, I think. The nerves are always there because you have nerves because you care. So you want to make sure everything goes well and that you put on the best show you can. But it's it's more the exhilaration, like, yes, it's here, we're here, hooray! You know, the first show is always a little nervous to me, um, just because it is the first show on the stage at the festival of the year. And so, it, I mean, it's it's comfortable. We're, we're doing well-worn pieces. It's like putting on a, you know, comfortable pair of shoes and Know, hitting the trail um, but it's again it's, it's also got that nervous energy you get when you're going on stage the first time i know that there is nerves with being on stage my nerves tend to happen in the mentally preparing in the practicing for the weeks ahead of time and then when i'm actually at the performance i just get nothing but excitement and then when i step on stage it's like my inner child is just so, screaming for joy it's it's an interesting feeling being on that stage, honestly. It's not obviously the biggest stage in the world, but it's a special stage to us. We've been on that stage in some form or another for over a decade. That whole area is so much a part of our, of our family and where we live during those seven weekends. So being up there in front of people, uh, it's, it's, a great, it's a great thing because we put so much into preparing that area and preparing that experience for the audience that it's just great when it goes the way that you intended it to. 
were the first ones to go out on the stage. Which is always just an amazing feeling to walk out on the stage and, oh my gosh, there's people out there in the benches and this is what we've been waiting for. And it's it's really magical. Uh, Raider Lee's already standing in front of the crowd and getting everybody to shift over and slide together. I will often do a little bit of crowd manipulation. Move on on up. Get people to scrunch together, come forward. I tell some bad middle school jokes um, because those always go over well. And I kind of get up on stage. Sometimes I'll talk to the audience. I like to talk to the people that are close by me. So if you sit up front by me, near where I'm standing, I will probably talk to you. We banter a little bit and then we do our warm up song. Usually they'll start with uh, an opening music piece. That hawks itself. <laughs> it really does. So live music on the stage really grabs attention. And they clap for the band and they cheer and they love us. And they look at Yuri and they love him. And they, yay, Yuri! Chris and I share a knowing look <laughs> often when Yuri says things. Uh, because that's his job. That is Yuri. And we all, everyone needs a Yuri. Every act needs a Yuri. Adam and Brett will do a, a little bit here and there. Usually that first crowd is pretty full. Like, I, I like to think that there are people that come in and come straight down to our corner because they know that there's going to be shows going on. And then, and then it's go time. Then it's go time. finally do all the things that I was learning and prepping with everyone for was by no words less and incredible because I've been watching other groups and I've been watching Fondazi for a really long time and it's like holy crap I'm I'm a part of this this is I'm I'm doing this now it was such a such a rush I love getting up on stage and the first lighting of the prop and stepping out before an audience because we've been practicing, we've been dancing, we've been running through these, and it, there's nothing quite like performing and seeing the sea of faces out there. I get to step back on stage with the fire, which is a dance partner in itself, and my best friends, and then this sea full of people. And so the first show of the first day is like coming home. And seeing the audience, that first show of the season, the audience, is usually super, they're like, yes, I'm here for this. This is what I've come to see. And they're so excited and they're so happy. And they are just, you know, they have a lot of good energy to bring out. And I love watching reactions and I love watching little kids' reactions, especially because they get so excited. And our children too, like they always love to come and sit. And especially on opening day, they always watch pretty much as many shows as they can opening day because they haven't seen it in a year and they probably don't even remember that much. I mean, the little ones, but yeah, my daughter is definitely one of the ones yelling. She's very proud to tell you that she yells more fire loudest of anybody. And uh, then you go and, it, and then it all just happens. It goes by in a blur. It seems like it took forever to get to this point and then it went zip and you're, you're standing there on the bench going, oh, what, you know, how did I get here? It's You, you fast forward all of a sudden and then then you're back in the moment and, uh, you and it's know. amazing the mechanics that occur in that that split second zip that pulls you through it there's yeah. the entrances the exits the lighting the dowsing the spotting watching everybody making sure the folks that are on stage they're you know making sure that they're not on fire and then helping extinguish the props get them ready get ready for any handoffs here comes somebody barreling back that they're going to need this prop handed to them at this precise moment get re- on your mark set go and from that moment on for the next half an hour 45 minutes you are full bore on offstage, extinguishing, getting ready, relighting. It's really a dance between the dancers and us too. Like there's a lot of like, we're watching what they're doing. We're matching their pace. 
it's really an organic experience and it's a little different every time. Towards the end of the show, then when we do, you know, the big show supper, it's really an adrenaline rush. Like I'm sure it is for the dancers, especially when I'm still kind of nervous and jittery for that first show of the year. It's like, I really get pumped up. Like my, like I'm shaking a little, like, you know, it's a, it's an emotional experience and like a physical experience. And at the end, you're standing at the back of the audience. There's adulation and, and tips and, and... And then when it's done, like you said, we're back at the back of the audience with our hat pass bags and handing out buttons. Giving out the buttons was really fun. Wheeling and dealing with the kids. And thanking people and greeting the audience. That first hat pass that we have to get to is is fun because we don't... We haven't quite figured out our own entrance and exits of where who was going where and where so like we're running off stage and trying to grab things and adam's like come last thing i said do i go over here do you go over here and it's to me it's kind of fun the way we all have that language with our eyes and i'm gonna go over here no i'm gonna go over here no i'm gonna go do this no i'm gonna go do that and it's yeah it's a fun way to communicate with each other without being on stage but still communicating and we do the closing out song so while everyone is out gathering tips in the back we're still on stage playing music kind of sending people on their way with hopefully a good you know spirit of song and the music in their ears so maybe they still want to buy a cd most of the time right after a show there's usually one or two people who want to stay and talk with us um sometimes it's about music sometimes it's just patrons that we know and have known for a long time and so we have lots of good greetings and hugs and hi how are you and it's great there is no downtime between show one and show two. No, there's not. After that very first show, it's clean up, reset, and get ready to go because our next show happens a half hour after. Sure. Yeah. The same process for show one happens all over again for show two. Triple check. Great. Uh, Brett and I and Chris are typically the ones putting the props out at that point. Everyone helps fuel them. Yes. But usually at that point, we are the women, we are kind of the ones making sure the kids have eaten, that they've gone to the bathroom, that they have X, Y, and Z, yeah. or that we ourselves are going to the bathroom. Go pee and <laughs> let's see. I usually just pop in and see how the boys are doing. That second show is is on faster than I ever. Every year I forget how fast that. Oh, it's right there. Is. And then after that second show, it is the lunch. lunch break. Yeah, and, and usually lunch is smelling pretty good by the time we get to the end of that show. First thing usually when we come off the stage with the second one was that the little kids are back because that's when the nanny takes their break and gets to go wander and eat and do their thing for lunch. First and foremost usually is making sure that the kids are fed. (laughs) So making sandwiches and getting, we have those amazing little wooden salad bowls (laughs) that we have backstage and the kids eat out of those little wooden bowls and they're so cute sitting there with their little bowls, wooden bowls of food on our wooden fondazi chairs, just kicking their feet and eating their lunches, the little kids. After our 11.30 show is lunch, and that's when our nanny gets her break. And so I have my children again, and I need first things first is make sure that they are fed. So usually there, I know there's been some pictures out there of, you know, little kids holding bowls of food. Children have run around the entire festival once or twice. So when they show up, they're super hungry. So at that point, the families um, reunite and we make sure our children get fed and then we feed ourselves. We have the perfect lunch as of last year, which is we bring our form and grill and everybody divides up sandwich things. And then we have and chips or um, veggies and fruit. Mm-hmm. So we have a plethora of sandwiches and fixings and, fruit and, Oreos. and, and Oreos and Twizzlers. <laughs> the important things. Yep. Lots of nutter butters. If we want to have family time at this point, that's when we'll go walk around together. Um, If it's extremely hot or we're tired, this is also a chance to get a little bit of a rest break because we've been going since seven in the morning. Um, We don't do a lot of um, walking around the festival still a lot during that time because my husband has to go to a lot of other shows like feasts and things like that. So it is... Um, just kind of a time for us to settle for a little bit. We talk about how things are going. Uh, after that, it's usually some downtime, uh, maybe a little cuddle nap if we want to, or because my kids are young enough that a whole day festival is a lot. It's always good to 
know that we've got a little longer break and we've got time to eat and maybe wander a little bit if we want to go see some more stuff around the festival. We usually take the first weekend and go out. We're very energized. I kind of feel like you and I are glued at the hip when it comes to festival days. The, the musicians used to go out and play out in the lanes during that time. I know in years past, we would have gone out and like done a little busking as musicians. And I would love to get that back. But you know, the thing about it is now people have kids and they have families and they have things like that that they have to take care of. Lunchtime is our kind of chill, check on things. Uh, if we have any repairs we need to do to anything um, music-wise uh, or instrument-wise, that's when we do it. Doing Feast of Fantasy is always a blast. It is. It's a lot of fun. When we go to do the Feast of Fantasy, we only bring torches and blast fuel. It's all technique in it there. It is all technique. And it's Brett's time to shine, and it is so much fun to work with him because well, that you, man's you skill too. with a torch is unparalleled. I'm a clown in that one. It's, mm -hmm. it's really fun because I like making people laugh. It's one of my absolute favorite things to do. And when I'm on stage with fire, it's not necessarily a comedic act, usually. Yeah. Um, but in the Feast of Fantasy, I can make faces and I really kind of put on that clown persona of, I'm going to eat this torch. Oh, no, I'm not. Ha, ha, ha. The it's, characters it's are fun. The characters that we play completely change in the Feast of Fantasy. Or maybe it's just exaggerations of what we're already doing. Because I get completely owned in every special event that we do. Like, it ends up like the Rambaro, the leader of Fondazi, the one that's like the one talking is just getting totally upstaged the whole time. <laughs> It's hilarious. I love doing it. It's great. It's a fun. It's a fun act. And now that Joe has entered into the picture, yeah, it, it's still just as fun. It's just completely different. Um, we we played it off this year as uh, Joe and I against you and Brett, couple, me couple. and you and Brett and Joe. Um, the possibilities are have opened up to us now that we have Joe joined with us, which is great. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, she's very talented. She brings a a dynamic that we haven't had in the past. Yep. fair bit of downtime we're, we're usually kind of sleepy at this point actually or if we come back from on the street we're going to want some shade and, and again it's everybody kind of powers down um so we make coffee again again because so there's afternoon coffee or uh, i know some of them like like monster energy drinks and that's usually when those get cracked um and everybody starts getting pumped up for the show we're getting up and we're sorting out the props you know, sometimes there's a reordering of the show for the two o'clock to, to make it a little bit more high energy just to pump us up. You know, we, we have to like come together as a community and just give ourselves the permission to have the energy despite the fact there's a heat. One of the people in Fondazio will pull us all together um, and we'll just kind of do a communal, uh, let's let's do this and kind of pep talk and get everybody back up. And the, the time is actually very useful for reading the crowd. Yeah. And so we'll all come back with our various just it's not like an intentional thing. We just all read the crowd while we're out and about, get a feel for how the energy of the audience is, which can vary depending on the, the weather. And When you're starting to look out at the audience during that time, just gauging as they're walking in, you can tell they're getting hot and tired too. And that's it kind of influences the energy a little bit. If it's a cool, dry day, people are high energy. They're buzzing. They're moving around. They're shopping, having a good time. If it is a hot, muggy, steamy day, you know, 100 degree heat index. There have been days in the past where it's been 109. Anyway, it's super hot. People have been drinking to try and stay cool. It's almost always alcohol. The, the crowd gets... Zombie crowd. Zombie crowd. And so we have to always try to keep in mind, if the audience doesn't laugh at a joke, if they're not clapping as much, it doesn't mean they're not enjoying it. They're not having a good time. It just means... They're hot, they're tired. The two and three o'clock shows, we really have to be on and we really have to be energetic. So we really try to pick peppy intro numbers and really kind of keep the energy up. 
Alan's so great with his Yuri banter, you know, like he really can spark stuff with the audience. And then it's just kind of go time again, like, oh, and then now it's time for the show again. So we do, you know, get uh, repeat again and again. Usually we we literally are running out of the feast hall and <laughs> we've actually gotten to stage as the music has started for yeah. our next show. I've walked on and started the announcements from the back of the audience. Yes. <laughs> great Got, turn on the mic, let's roll. And then we got to go do the show and try to do our best to bring them back up for the day. Yeah. And, you know, if we can even, maybe they're not going to be standing and cheering like the 1030 show, but if they're smiling and having a good time, that's what they came out to and do. And then we roll like morning, the, the kind of back-to-back feel of it. We roll right to that three o'clock show after that. We do have the sun hits us at that point on the stage. And so... The, the tossing and the catching of the props gets to be a little bit more exciting at the We're looking show. directly into the sun. Mm-hmm. Then after our three o'clock show, we are prepping for our Uber show. Yeah. And it's time for Uber. It's already, it was already written in the morning, so it's just a matter of getting everything ready, triple checking it. Uh, the energy starts to really climb, honestly. Like, there's no show that we prepare for that just seems like we're double checking, triple checking, quadruple, like, is this gonna go okay? Because there is, there's become very little room for error in the Uber show. Like, it's so much fire. At this point, we need to pretty much get every prop we have ready because it seems like the Uber show just uses everything. Uber show, I mean, obviously there's more props and there's more just preparation in general to do, but it really took a lot more mental preparation too. There's a lot of stuff that only comes up then. And the showstoppers are bigger and everything, everything is bigger. And so we just need to put more energy into it. Now literally your your energy kind of really ramps up because uh, you, you can't afford to lose a minute. Doing the Uber show is absolutely the most energetic show. Even the worst Uber show is, is an awesome show. I can't think of a, of a Uber show that's ever sort of fallen flat. So if you ever, you know, see us up on the stage and we're having all this fun, and like I said, none of it's faked because we all just, every one of us kind of loves not just being there, but like doing it together and having a good time. So that we do the Uber show and it's fantastic. Um, the Uber show is by far my favorite show of the day because that energy is just beyond oh, yeah. amazing with everybody. Yeah, the Uber show on first day is incredible. Um, it's the last show of the day and there's no stops. You just get to go. Uh, that's usually when we kind of perform some of our best. amazing when you walk out on stage and there's so many people out there like the the audience energy is completely different for an uber show and i think a lot of these people in the audience for the uber show we know that they came back they've been through this whole day out at festival and now they're back and they're bookending their day with us which is really cool the roar of people with the roar of the fire, like when they're doing the fire blasts at the beginning of the Uber show. And just, I mean, it's really, that it just gets everybody excited. It doesn't matter how hot and tired you are and what a long day it's been. Like the Uber show, I, I look forward to it every day because it's, it's always so energizing. I love drumming, but I desperately miss dancing a lot. Um, so this is the time that I actually get to be on stage and performing a little more um, directly in front of the audience, and which I love. And then the tentacles, which I know is weird. I miss doing the tentacles. I miss jumping through the fire. It's just, just weird. But it is also really happy that I don't have to do that anymore. Like, it's a, it's a balance. I mean, the Uber show is the one for me that feels like it, it zips the most. And then we're at the point where the tentacles are going to come out. And at this point, everybody else is on stage. Christopher and I are the only two back. And I've just fueled the tentacle. 
he gets the tentacle fueled. I make sure the hats are ready. I usually go get my beard wet because the tentacle will eat it. I'll dampen my bangs and any hair a little bit, um, eyebrows. Just wetting yourself down, especially like it, like your hair. If those folks that have hair, just because I like my hair where it is. That's why I try to get extra sweaty before I do that number, <laughs> so I'm safe. You're safe. <laughs> yeah, everybody pretty much runs by the sink prior to the tentacle to get just to make sure we get something ourselves. wet. One, two, three. The tentacle really is the most unpredictable. An intensely, intensely hot. hot prop. It literally is the most dangerous prop that we use all day long. Because the flames will go up over your head. To where there's just this engulfing amount of fire. Hearing that sound of whoosh of fire as it rolls down and you're like staring at this going, I'm willingly putting myself into that. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's go. <laughs> when it's first lit though, I mean, it's that's when the flames are the highest and that's actually mm-hmm. when it's the hardest to jump in. I, I've actually had a few times where I've actually had a hard time actually making myself physically step forward into them. Oh, yeah. Like you have to try to force yourself and your body just says, nope. It's that survival instinct that we're all blessed with that says, what the hell is wrong with you? Well, that's the thing. A lot of people, I think they they don't realize just how intense that is. You know, it's a shorter number, but that is because there is so much fire on stage. (laughs) It is just a wall. And when you're jumping in there, it does reach over my head. I'm six feet tall (laughs) and it's taken on my eyebrows. (laughs) It's all of us, I think, at one point have sustained some type of injury from that thing. People who do the clacking wear hats because the, the wind can shift and blow the fire in your face and you're right down there at it. The tentacles spin, they drop, they get blown out. We all take a bow. We run exhausted to the back of the stage to get the last tips of the day. After it's all said and done, it's time to kind of put everything away for the day and have dinner before we uh, head out to do closing gates. So at that point, I'm in the Bardo again, counting money and getting everyone's cut and, and putting aside anything that needs to be put aside for either uh, buying more merchandise or buying more fuel or buying, um, uh, we often will donate money. So we put the different cuts that need to go different places, calculate, because we always pay our merch person, pay, pay them, try to figure out who gets what. Um, and while Adam and I are doing that, everybody else is cleaning up backstage backstage we start closing things down there, there's that moment first where everything just kind of is is calm some people are mopping fuel off their chests and necks and some people are just packing up instruments or you know doing that you know we have to clear the stage and do all that putting away chairs washing dishes there's a huge pile of spent props that need to get sorted out and put away we have lockers that we lock everything up in back there break down all of the equipment the cords the microphones the drum equipment we got to make sure the backstage is cleaned up we gotta make sure the food's put away because there are crafty, crafty raccoons. Literally, we left them unopened, so the seal was still on it, jar of peanut butter. And they got in, they, they smelled it and got into it and cleaned that sucker out. We knew that it was a raccoon because they left peanut butter footprints all over the tables and yeah. all over the coolers, and it was adorable. So, no food <laughs> left backstage. There's a usually... The children circling like vultures around the packages of food that are almost empty, asking if they can finish it. There's a second meal that's being cooked all day long for dinner. Several of the families will sit down and have dinner on the stage. We just have that really peaceful moment where we sit on the edge of the stage and we talk. Maybe some people are eating. But sitting around with everybody and kind of like just taking that hot minute to sit back and relax. And sometimes, you know, waving at the patrons as they walk come past mm-hmm. and... Now you're getting that like sleepy village feel that's starting to kind of encroach on the day. And it's just, I love that time too. It's That's the time of day that I feel it, like it feels most like a family. Like we all just kind of gather on the stage and we just sit and talk and laugh and eat. And it just is that gathering time. The sun at this point has sunk below the trees to the west over the fairy wing forest and so there's dappled light coming in across the stage and the nice warm golden glow is 
pouring out across the further expanse of Cartwheel Cove, across Queen's Pub over there. And there's a little bit of a haze in the air from all the feet walking by, kicking up the dust. And it's just another magical place in time for us. The sound of the crowd, we can hear music sometimes floating up from the Fairy Wing Forest. You can hear yeah. the cheers. From the Tortugas. From the Tortuga show around the corner, it echoes through the woods. And so it's, you know, the, the sound of a village. I, I really like seeing the stragglers that are walking with their parents and their patrons that are carrying along everything they bought for the day. It's like, aw, I wonder if this is what it felt like, like in a sleepy village. And then after that point, everybody scatters uh, to do whatever they're going to do at the end of the night. And a lot of people do different things. I, uh, I'm actually not aware of what everybody does because people just kind of disappear into the, into the void. Um, it's kind of like we all appear from the mist at 8.30 in the morning. And then at 5.30 at night, they the mist, we all dissipate and they all just vanish. I'll take the kids and we'll go up to closing gates because they're finally old enough to actually do that where I trust them to not just run away with people. You know, there's so many variables to a family with kids being able to stay for closing gate. I mean, there's certainly times that Katie and I will take off early. Uh, everyone has their times where they need to go early, and we, we allow that, and we, you know, we account for that. So we can go up to closing gate for a little while, play, say goodbye to people. My kids are you know, back with me at this point and running around. They've been running around all day. They're filthy. Yeah, and there's a, there's a lot of special events happening, like, around the festival after our last show. Uh, so there are times where we'll bring a torch tube around and see if there is a need for cameos. I mean, there, yeah, well... Because there are times when those special events are like, somebody was sick. And then usually Katie goes, I suppose we should actually go to Closing Gate. <laughs> well, really, we follow, we follow Johnny. We follow the king. Because once the king's up there, Fondazzi should be up there, too. We do kind of take that responsibility seriously to be out there and seeing people off as they're going to their cars and making sure that they had a good experience and um, giving them a, a Fondazi high five. So yeah, closing gate, um, a group of us will usually wander up there, especially with the, you know, we'll drag our kids along. Kids will go out and play on the green out in front of the, the gate with a lot of the other kids. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of the entertainers that have kids will bring them up there. It's a good place for them to kind of be free to just, zip around a little bit and burn off the last sugar rush of the day and yep we can you know say goodbye to patrons and and you know wave and but now waving goodbye to the kids and the family is was incredible trying to cheer up a crying child you and i would go out there and do some acrobalance stuff and that was always kind of cool to see a kid that's just been kind of crying and also the parents like hey look what they're doing and also like Oh, okay. I, I head off to the pub sing and we do 45 minutes to an hour to whenever the troll decides that he's done. We, when he starts the show, you know, he chaos ensues for the next 45 minutes and we just kind of, we just have a good time and we, we close the show and uh, we, had, we end up with a, with a big group sing along and sometimes there's six people there and sometimes there's a huge crowd. A couple minutes before cannon, the final cannon goes off, we'll start walking back to our stage because we still have to make sure we have everything we need from the Vardos before we walk back to the campground. And, and so we generally will go back down <laughs> to the tent. Usually by that time, I've already started heading back to the stage. So opening weekend, we usually make sure that our kids get, um, we, we will buy them one meal a day out there and that's usually dinner and they usually do pizza. Yeah, so or the pizza sticks. Or pizza sticks, and we feed them. So they eat the dinner at stage, and then they eat again at 7 o'clock closing. Usually we're playing when, boom, the cannon goes off. So sometimes we even miss it. Final, put dishes away and, and just tighten up the stuff. 
You know, there's another little kind of downtime there where maybe we're all sitting in the audience on the benches. Some people are getting ready to leave for home. Some people are ready to head to the campgrounds. Uh, We usually head back to the stage. I usually wait for my family to kind of gather at the stage and then we head back and then we get to do the long trek where we wait for the bus. So um, we all gather at the bus station, bus stop. And we wait, and sometimes we wait maybe an hour. It can be a, uh, especially later in the in the evening. Uh, it's later in the season when the seasons get get busier because of all the traffic leaving the festival at after Cannon on like the fifth, sixth, seventh weekend. We can be waiting out by the bus stop for maybe an hour. So we always make sure we have snacks with us. The cannon's gone off. I don't have to be cinched up into a costume anymore, and so we'll usually relax a little bit there. If we have another family that is camping, we'll try to walk down together as a group. After all the patrons leave, you see everybody just kind of meandering, swaying slowly, <laughs> all toward the campground. It's just, every you can tell everybody's exhausted. And it's like a cattle herd, but they're tired. Oh yeah. Ironically, that's something I, I think back on and I find that as a pleasant memory, you know, because we all have worked so hard throughout the day to entertain everybody and to give our all and we battled all the different elements. It's super rewarding. Yeah, and now we just stumble back, you know, muscle pains, whatever. It's almost that badge of honor that you've literally weathered some of the best weather of the year, the worst weather of the summer, whether injuries or illness. It's like, all right, I made it through. stories in the car that's actually it's uh, it's great to be in the in the car and everyone has some stories so as tired as as hot as we all are and i will say the kids will bicker and my wife will bicker with the kids and i'll bicker with my wife and then it's all like getting ready to get in the car and then we get in the car and we turn the air on and 30 seconds after the air blows on you and you you get the rebalance it's kind of everyone's like ah oh and by the way i love everybody and then we have like this it's kind of a zen ride home it's 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 like um quiet but talkative. I don't know if that makes sense. Where uh, people say stuff, but there's all, but there, nobody's excited, but everyone has stuff to say. And, and yeah, that's kind of the, that's kind of like our family time when we when we get back home. If I'm cooking dinner that night in the Oaks, I need to get down usually a little earlier so that I can prep food so that when everyone else gets down there, there's a hot meal waiting for them. So because we all like having hot dinner, so this would be second dinner for me <laughs> as well uh, and the kids. And it's shower time. Yep. It's usually stripped down to the base layer, grab a towel and a toiletry bag and hike to the showers where... We are all the way across the campground from the showers. Well, and it gives us space that we have a little kind of family area where we camp. So it gives us space for kids to be kids and mm-hmm. not be disturbed by some of the other nightlife that can occur. And, you know, we get to go see our friends again once we get to the shower area because that's where... Raider Lee's family camps, and so sometimes when one of us is waiting for the other one to get out of the shower, we'll stick our heads over into Pig and Oaks and say hello for a bit. Sometimes there's a tidbit of food. Yep, and they'll say, we made too much, eat, because generous family behavior is prolific out there. And yep. so it would be an insult if we didn't eat, so of course we eat. Well, so then we, <laughs> we trudge back to the tent, kids get jammies on. Um, you know, right after dinner, basically, we get the kids put to bed. And my husband and I sing to them. And then Rich and Angel, who are literally three feet away from us, also go, oh, good night, every night after we sing. Sometimes we sit with our neighbors. Sometimes there's music. Um, depending on the day, sometimes it's to bed. Yes. <laughs> um, it's a lot of just time to talk, too, and just be together and, and relaxed and kind of winding down to go to sleep. We get to have, like, our downtime, which is generally just having like a cider or a beer around a campfire with friends. There are no shenanigans. Who has energy and time for that? Oh my goodness. Um, There used to be shenanigans, I should say, when I was much younger. 
But uh, just hanging out with friends that I don't normally get to see any other time of the year. So around a fire, just, you know, telling stories, telling about our day, how, you know, what did we look forward to, what worked well, what didn't work well, seeing the audience from different perspectives and different acts and different, you know, for street performers or puppet performers or musical acts or people who are running around on the street or in the court all day. What is their day like? And when we go to sleep, uh, like it's right away. I fall like usually if I, if we go camping any other time, any other place, like I usually don't fall asleep very quickly. Like I'm, you know, if we're camping at a state park or something, it takes me forever to fall asleep in the tent, but out at fest, I hit the, the cot and I'm out. And in the evening, you know, uh, our really big thing is the food and the showers are practically orgasmic because that shower and like the black gray water running off of you and out of your hair, even though you were wearing a bandana, like it's incredible to wash all of that off at the end of the day. It is the best. And we, we, uh, we make a huge heap of soot and dirtied clothes at the top of the stairs. We, yeah, we come home and basically have everyone stripped down yep. as much as is appropriate for their age <laughs> level. Yeah. And uh, kind of just waiting. Sit in our underwear waiting wait, to yeah, shower. Yeah, sitting around our underwear waiting <laughs> to take a shower. Or That's as, how it works. Well, no, the first night we send the kids, like the little ones, we take yeah, we them to bed. But then after that, it's we all just wait to take a shower. Yeah, we need some food and wind down and prepare to do it all again and we, we usually day. watch something for we try to watch something to help us unwind yeah it is exhausting and wonderful and my children adore it um and we are very lucky that we get to, you know, do the do it the way we do get to do it. My favorite thing, though, is just the audience and working with them every day. I'm gonna talk about it with my friends afterwards. It's it's a really good theater experience. You know, talk about how the show went, in the audience, and you talk about how, you know, what you can do to improve it, what you can do to make it, you know, what worked really well, what you want to keep doing, and then you continue to just grow as a performer and you continue to grow as an act this way and you you form those lifelong bonds this whole thing i can't think of anyone else i'd rather do it with than my fantasy family because it works it just they're the best people so yeah. So yeah, that's about it. I hope to get back to the festival as soon as possible. I uh, hope to see everybody's smiling faces because again, you guys are the reason why I go out and do this stuff. And I hope that once once we get back in, we're gonna be able to just roll right into it and it'll be like it never had a break. I miss everybody and I miss doing it. It's really funny because my my whole family has taken to using our fest mugs this week. Like around sometime this weekend, I don't even know, Alan must have started it. He started just drinking water out of his mug and so the kids asked for theirs and so everybody's been walking around with their mugs around the house this week and it's kind of sad and bittersweet some people perform and some people entertain and i feel like a lot of what we do is that we're we're entertainers this is not only a job to us we're doing this to bring joy and literally the entertainment to other people and allowing them to put on the shelf everything that's been out there in the real world they put get to put that on a shelf our our job is to let them forget that's true. A lot of patrons, they're coming not just because it's a festival, but they're coming to be an active part of the festival, which is something that makes it unique out there. We're not, you know, just performing for an audience. We're engaging with an audience and asking them to be a part of the experience that we're creating and we're a part of. 26 years in, it's been a comfortable ride. I enjoy it thoroughly. I've enjoyed having a family there with me. It's definitely a way of life. It's we just know that our, our fall is spoken for every year, and we, we look forward to it. It's I've I've heard it described as the best chocolate cake you've ever eaten. You crave it all year long, and then you get to it and you get that first bite, and it's amazing. The problem is you have to eat the entire cake, and so by the time you've eaten it all, you are ready to not see cake ever again. 
and it's sad because it's gone, but you've consumed it and it's in you and you're, you're filled with it. But then as the year wanes and the new year starts, you start to crave it again. And then you see it on the horizon and, you know, there's another cake ready to go for the next year. I feel like once upon a time, I was ready for the festival season to be done. But I feel like in the last couple seasons, our show has gotten to be so good and so tight. I just don't want it to end. Yeah. So that performance is the best thing in the world, you know, and it's all due to the audience, the ability to siphon that energy from an excited crowd and just carry that energy through the show and through the night. Um, it's what helps you get up the next morning and do it all over again. It's so addicting. It's great. I hope I hope we're able to achieve our goal, which is that 30-minute break from reality for the audience, that they're just, nothing else is there but music and fire and that experience. Mm-hmm.